Hey, everybody. Welcome to Black, Married, and in the Military. I'm your host, Teresa Alexis, known as the Military Bride Strategist. And joining me is Janelle Pierre today. And she's going to be talking to us about the importance of going after your goals. Janelle is an Army vet. She's the CEO of... Black Women Wealthy, and she's a financial transformation coach that every Black professional woman needs in her life and in her wallet. Backed by industry-certified expertise, her own struggle to success story, and pure love for watching women live wealthy, Janelle is on a mission to help well-paid women to clean up their money messes so they can live the lives they deserve. With Janelle, women are introduced to better budgeting skills, higher credit scores, and more zeros in their bank accounts. Now, we all need that. But also, it's bigger than that. They are introduced to the power of what money can really buy. Freedom, something we all want. Using her practical approach to money management, Janelle is showing Black women what wealth really looks like. Financial confidence, freedom, and dreams that they didn't believe were possible. And as she is helping clients to create their own legacies, hers will be a bold breed of Black women who refuse to accept broke for an answer. So without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Janelle so she can help us get our financial lives together. (laughs) Thank you for that introduction. Absolutely. As Teresa said, my name is Janelle Pierre and I'm a financial transformation coach. And today what I wanted us to talk about was the importance of those dreams and goals that we sometimes overlook because we're stuck in that place of where we are right now. And the reason why I chose this as a topic is because I was there at one point in time. I was at the bottom of the barrel. I was laying flat on my back with nothing else to do but stand up. And it was because of the dreams and the goals that I had set for myself and fully believed that were possible was what encouraged me and motivated me to get up and to not stay there, right? Before I joined the military in 2011, I was living in in New York. I lived all over New York. I lived in Queens. I lived in Long Island. I lived in Brooklyn for a little bit. You know, I moved around a lot looking for more and better opportunities. And I hit rock bottom doing that because at that point in time, all I had was my high school diploma. I couldn't afford to go to school. I couldn't afford to do anything besides dream. I worked for minimum wage. I rented rooms from different people. You know, it was a true struggle and most people would have given up. And at that time, I was also in my late 20s. I wasn't even in my teenage years or early 20s. I was in my late 20s at that point. And so that was highly unacceptable. And I just kept thinking, you know, there is so much more. And I would be so empowered when I or feel so empowered when I see other women driving the car that I wanted to drive or going into the home that I liked on the street. You know, those were the things that motivated me because if they can have it, that means I can have it too. And at 27, I was like, okay, this is it. I cannot get a better job. I cannot afford school. I cannot do anything unless I find a way to increase my income. And getting further educated was huge on my list. It was huge. At that point in time, no one in my family had had a degree because we could, none of us could have afforded it. And that was really, truly hard. You know, so I remember when I applied to college, I don't even know what made me do that because I already knew that I could not have afforded it. But I applied anyway, because I said, I believe that at time where there's a will, there's a way. So if I apply to college and I get accepted, then maybe there's something will work out. 
<laughs> something will work out and I'll be able to at least go to school and work. And like I said, I was working for minimum wage. So I don't know what I believed was going to happen, but I just believed something was going to happen. And I applied to college and a couple of colleges and I got accepted into five. Wow. And I just sat there and I looked at the acceptance letter and I cried and cried and cried because even though I thought I would get accepted, I didn't think I was going to get accepted. You know, and even though if I did get accepted, then something will work out, but nothing worked out because I'm already struggling. It's already hard to keep a roof over my head. It's already hard to eat three square meals a day. It's already hard. I'm walking to work. How would I get to school? You know, there were many nights and many days I slept off my hunger, but the dream was so, it was just so vivid in front of my face. I need this education. I want this education. I'm going to find a way to get this education. And at that time, getting that acceptance letter was so incredibly bittersweet. So I just moved on away from that. I I think I might have torn up that letter out of heartbreak. But I just, and I, and I kind of just tucked it away for a little bit, you know, I just, whatever I did with it, because I was looking for it a couple of days ago, just to see if I would still have it. But no, I, I, I must have destroyed it. But anyway, about a year after that, I was like, okay, this is just too much. I'm getting older. I'm almost 30 years old at this point, And I just need better. You know, I want to help my mom. I want to provide for my mom. I want to start my own family. I want to go to school. I want my house. I want my car. All these things that I just kept writing in my book and planning it out and just seeing the vision of it. And at 27 years, I was like 27 and a half almost, I joined the U.S. Army. I said, because these are the only people in the world that's going to allow me to do better in life and get an education without putting myself in severe debt or, you know, I don't know who was going to give me a school loan at that point in time. You know, things were way different in 2010 than it is now. But I know I didn't want to go through that debt route because I was already struggling so bad. So adding debt onto that, it just didn't make sense to me at the time. So anyway, I joined the army and in my head, I was like, well, I can die. (laughs) But if I don't die... If I don't get deployed and, and get killed, then I stand a chance of going to school and getting the education and getting the house and getting the car and putting my mom and myself and my brothers in a better financial position. And so I joined the military and it's so incredible the way things happened. I joined the military. I left for basic training on September 10th, 2011. September 11, 2011 was my date. But I left three days after my birthday and it was just when I got in and I seen the opportunities, I didn't know what I was getting into. There was nobody. And at that point in time, I didn't know anybody in my family in the military. I didn't know anybody in the military. It was just a thing that I decided like, this is the only way out. And um, if I have to die, well, at least I die trying, you know? And so I got in, I did my training, my basic training in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And then I went to Fort Lee, Virginia, which was where I am now. I moved to Fort Lee, Virginia for my AIT. And by the time I got stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia, I was like, okay, now I'm in, this is official, time to go to school. I'm going to go to school. We're not about to be playing no games. So I got into school about a month and a half after I got to Fort Stewart because I worked shifts. And so I would be off like at two o'clock in the afternoon. So I have until two till nine, 10, until whenever I choose to go to bed. I have all these hours now. You know, what am I going to do with it? Obviously, I'm going straight to school. And so I signed up with Columbia College of Missouri and I did evening classes there. I got my associate's degree. I then left uh, Fort Stewart, went to... I got stationed in Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. 
And there's where I did my, yeah, Hawaii was a trip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was good and bad because I'd never worked so hard until I got to Schofield Barracks, Hawaii, in my life at that point. But it was still, there were a lot of high points as well as low points. And I, I wouldn't take any of it back. But that's where I did my bachelor's degree. That's where I completed. No, I didn't complete. I started. I started my bachelor's degree there. And because we were, it was such a high up tempo and we were always moving and training and yeah, I had so much responsibilities. I was a platoon sergeant, you know, all of these different things. I have 15 people under me at this point. Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mom to everyone, you know, in charge of everything. It was just, it was a lot. Hashtag military life. Hello. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag military life. I did everything, you know, I did everything that I could, you know, there was no such thing as, oh, you're a girl. So you're not going to do this. Oh no, I'm a girl and I'm going right. to do this, you know? Right. So Yeah. And then once I, I got curtailed out of Hawaii at two years, just, just over my two year mark in Hawaii, I got curtailed and brought to Fort Lee as an instructor, as an AIT instructor, which was the highlight of my military career. Because, you know, I was going to school, I was doing all the things, I was competing in whatever competitions, you know, everything, I was doing it all. So at some point in time, somebody was like, hey, I think I like what San Pierre got going on over here. And it was just such an honor to be selected to be an instructor. And so I did that for a while. I finished my bachelor's degree here in Virginia. And the same month, I did not plan this. I promise you, I didn't plan this. The same month that I completed my bachelor's degree, I started my master's degree. Wow. You were on it. (laughs) I was on it. Listen, I didn't plan it. I just seen for some reason, I was looking into doing the master's degree and I was like, well, okay, I can do it a little bit later on. But an email or something caught my attention. And it was for the wrong school. I think it was supposed to have been Virginia. I couldn't remember what it was, what, what I thought the email, who I thought the email was from. But the, the email came from Virginia Commonwealth University, which is VCU in Richmond. In my head, I believe that I mistook that for some other college that was closer. So when I went and I did the interview and everything, and I got the package and everything else, and I'm like, wait, this is not the same school I thought it was. <laughs> I did the interview to get into the program. You know, they liked everything about what I had to offer, the program and everything else like that. And I was like, well, I'm already in. And they were like, okay, we start in, in uh, I think they said we start Thursday, which was the next week. And I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> so now I'm fully into my master's degree program while still full-time in the military doing NC classes. So that was a little bit of a trip, but I completed my master's degree in business administration. I think it was last year around. Yeah, it was last year because I remember our last four or five classes, like sessions, we had to do it from home because COVID hit and everything got shut down. Yeah. I just want to interject and say, (laughs) congratulations. I don't want you to gloss over your accomplishment because that's good. I know for me, I'm still working Mm -hmm. on my bachelor's and I had to take a break. I was supposed to start last year, Mm -hmm. but COVID. (laughs) So, you know, I was just like, I'm just going to take that year off. So Mm -hmm. congratulations on that. That's a big deal. It really, truly is. It was just so, I'm, I'm so mad. I, I haven't had the opportunity to walk across that stage and act a fool just yet, but <laughs> it was so surreal. Just like being there, just like going through all the things, going through the motion, just doing it because I've been dreaming about this since I was, I don't even know how old. It's been so long that I don't even remember because now I'm in my mid thirties, you know, well, I'm 37 almost, you know, so it's been so long. I started college 11 years after high school. 11 years after I graduated high school is when I started college. And so, you know, for the past eight years, I've been from one degree to the next. And it was just like, okay, this is what I've been waiting for. So I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. And I'm just, it's such a huge 
humbling experience because I set the goal to do it and I'm going to do it. And as soon as things settle down with my business and I have my business where I can have key personnel in place and I could get away, I'm going to pursue my doctorate degree. That's the plan. I'm putting it out into the universe. I've said it out loud. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to do my doctorate as soon as the business is at a point where I can turn my back on it and do a little bit of something for myself. Black Woman Wealthy was born in my struggle, really. In my struggle, it was born, it was birthed because when you don't have money, you got to figure out how to do the things without the money. And into that. (laughs) Yes, it was my business was born then. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. I didn't understand the reason why I was going through the things that I was going through, even though I'm so intelligent and I'm so this and I'm so that I couldn't understand why it took so long. But now that I'm building this business to inspire and empower other Black women to go after the things that they deserve, to go after the things that they want without the shame, without apology, without any remorse and without having to explain why you're driving a 2020 Range Rover, right? You, you want it, you deserve it, you work for it, and you should not be expected to explain it to anybody, right? You shouldn't have to explain taking 10 trips a year if that's what you want to do. People shouldn't look at you as a black woman and be like, oh, who's your husband? Where is your husband? You know, you know what I mean? Is is the things that we face as black women when it comes to our money. If they see us struggling, oh, that's normal. But the minute they see us on top, oh, what does she do? Who is she with? Who is she messing with? You know, and I experienced that a little bit in the military as well, too, because my military career was extremely successful. Having to give up my career was the hardest thing that I ever had to do because it was the one opportunity I was waiting on to do the things that I was doing that I didn't know I needed to do. And so having to give that up was extremely hard. But around just around my six year anniversary or just after it, I had gotten into a training accident where I severely messed up my spine. I mm-hmm. broke three bones in my lower spine. And so the healing process is still ongoing, even after, you know, this as much time has passed. And because I'm a year and a half out of the military now, but that injury, I tried. I did not want to get out. I tried. I pushed. I protested. I hid. (laughs) You know, they stay looking. They were always going to find you. I hid. I was like, I'm not going to the doctor, you know, and eventually it caught up with me and I'm like, okay, fine. I lost, you know, not, not lost in that day, but okay. I, I give you permission now to go ahead and draft the paperwork. It's time to get out. And it was the hardest decision. It took me six months to say those words. Because I just kept feeling like I can get better. I can get better. I can build my strength back up. But my body was telling me something different. And so I was like, okay, so what else am I good at? Who am I now without the military? You know, I've spent eight years making the military my life. I spent eight years doing a job that I loved, like being around people that I absolutely adored. You know, of course, it wasn't all roses and peaches, but looking back, it was a good, a really, really good career. And like I said, I faced a little bit of, you know, oh, she must be good with first star if she's doing that. Oh, she must be doing this if she's doing that. No, it was pure merit. It was pure drive. It was pure heart. It was pure appreciation for the opportunity to even pursue my dreams that the military gave permission to. That made me push as hard. It wasn't because I was friends with anyone or anyone favored me. I endured no favoritism in the military as a black woman. None. No favoritism, but the favor of God. I can just hear it in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The favor of God was upon you. And that's very different it from is different. getting something from people. I mean, we're doing different. what we're supposed to do and mm-hmm. we're being good at it. And mm-hmm. we're not allowing distractions to get in the way of accomplishing that mission. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes people just don't think, Oh, she really just that good. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. They put themselves in the mix Mm -hmm. and because it's not about you. It's about them. They put themselves Mm -hmm. in the mix and they're like, well, Mm -hmm. who does she sleep with? Yep. Who is she buddy buddy with? Mm-hmm. You know, it is like nobody. <laughs> it's like it's nobody. It's good. I'm just right? I'm working this hard. You yep. know? Yep. It's just a girl doing and the thing about it is they see me doing the things. You know, y'all seeing me out there when nobody yeah. else is showing up and doing this and doing that. Y'all seeing Sergeant Pierre out there. So, you know, to even think that. It was because somebody was showing me favor or because somebody liked me or something. I like know I was doing the work. I did five boards in like five months and won almost all of them. Wow. Whose favor is that? Right. <laughs> I had to study for each and every one of those boards. Hey, friends. I want to tell you about an awesome community I created just for you. If you're a military wife, and that includes married military women, married female vets, and military spouses. You'll want to know about the group called Military Marriage Matters. That's a group on Facebook. In this group, we have fun, we have hard conversations, and connect with each other both online and sometimes in person, depending on your location. From monthly events to weekly chats, this group will help you have fun and just let your hair down. You'll never feel alone as this group has a plethora of people from different walks of life. Get free resources and the inside scoop on events, courses, and coaching discounts that will be coming up specifically crafted for military marriages. If you're like me and you're always looking for ways to connect, give back, and just thrive in life, marriage, and business slash career, then this community is for you. To find out more info and to join, go to bit.ly, the number three, underscore, M-M-M. That's bit, B-I-T, dot, Lee, L-Y, slash, number three, underscore, M-M-M. I was a culinary NCO in the military, and that was one of the underdog works. Nobody respects a cook at all. It's and when sad got, that that's true. Yeah, nobody respects a cook. And I was a cook in the military, right? Nobody called us culinarians. Nobody called us anything but a fat, lazy cook, even though half of us were not overweight, right? <laughs> but when I got in, I wanted to do law. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a paralegal in the military. And then, you know, from there, get into, you know, do my degrees and get into law school and stuff. And when I got in and I realized how poorly cooks were revered, I was like, I'm not changing my MOS. I'm not doing it. I'm going to show y'all what a cook can do. And when I started winning boards and different things like that, they were like, what's your MOS? 92 golf. Oh, you're a cook? Yeah. And, oh, I can't believe a cook won the board. Okay. Welcome to my world. <laughs> you know, <laughs> welcome to my world. A cook is about to show y'all what, you know, the only time we really got a lot of respect was when we were in the field. That's when people really seen that our job is not just boiling food in a bag. Because that's what they say. Oh, y'all just boil. Food. Anybody could boil food in a bag. But then when we are in the field, they work more closely with us and realize it's not what you think it is. When they have to be up at two o'clock in the morning with us, the ones that they send to help us, like, this is what y'all go through. Yeah. Yeah, we're up first and we're down last to make sure y'all are fed. Yeah, y'all. Right? So we're working with some cooks and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I never knew the extent of what they did. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, this is oh, a lot. I was listen. like, oh, my job was a lot. I was like, this is worse. It's good. But it's like, oh, y'all just don't sleep. We don't. <laughs> y'all, even, y'all even have time to breathe for yourself, you know? Half the time we don't even eat. They're like, oh, y'all got all the good food in the back. Da, 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 da. Half the time we're standing there hungry because we have to feed a thousand plus people. We don't have time to stand up and eat. 
And you can't eat when you cook. Well, you can't eat in the kitchen. That's not allowed. You can't cook and eat at the same time. That's not allowed. You know, so sometimes you're standing there and you're hungry, but other people are fed and they're giving you crap on top of it. And so, you know, I've had a lot of good people reclass out of a 92 Golf and went into another series because it's not an easy job. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the high points of it. I enjoyed giving the 92 Golf a little bit of shine that I could have given it when I did the things that I did, the competitions that I entered, the boards that I entered and won, you know, all the different things just to like show my troops, you know, my subordinates what was possible. Because I told them all the time, listen, I am good. But what will make me really happy is if y'all were better than me. I want y'all to be better than me. Whatever I do, y'all can do it twice as good. The only thing I really sucked at was running. So this, <laughs> I sucked so bad at running. It didn't even make no sense. <laughs> you are not alone. I used to be like, I can't run at all. And I, know, I ran track and I thought I was good. And then I went to the military and I was like, oh, I suck. Oh my God. That's bad. So bad. I was telling my mom what day it was. I said, when I was in basic training, there was this guy that I had really liked, not in that way, but really liked him because he was such a cool dude. And he was a super fast runner. He was running two miles in like 11, 12 minutes. And I'm out there just getting it. And I'm like, I can't breathe. And it, getting it. And he looked at me and he said, she looks like she ain't even moving. <laughs> She's not going anywhere. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like so hurt. I'm like, how dare you? I'm out here just, I'm literally fighting for air over here. I'm fighting for my life, you know? So <laughs> he is laughing in the corner because he's like, Pia looks like she ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and I really wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, I just love the entire experience overall. And I have no regrets, not even getting hurt, not even, you know, my only regret was getting out sooner than I wanted because there was still more things. I really wanted to make a difference with the Sharp program and different things like that. But like I said, Black Woman Wealthy was born in that struggle, in those struggles. So now I want other people to use me as an example in likewise fashion, do better than me. I can teach you the things that I learned. After I got out of the military, I went and I got certified as a financial, accredited financial counselor and because I was helping people with their money all throughout the military, just because of the struggles that I had been through years and years and years before the military. So I started helping them with their credit, helping them with their budget, helping them, you know, make sound financial decisions. Because when I got in, I was 27. I'm older than all of my battle buddies at that point. My battle buddies were 18, 19, and 20 years old. You know, so I started with them. There were even people that were older than me that I would sit and help because our parents weren't taught money. Our parents were not, they, nobody taught them. So how could they teach us what they never learned? And if I hadn't struggled, I might not have learned the things that I had learned and learned how important it was to really make the decision to be good with money. And so once I got out, I went and I got certified and Black Moan Wealthy was born. And so that's what I'm working on now to really hone in on other Black women, understanding that, hey, you're not what they say you are. You're not what your past says you are. You're not what your upbringing says you are. If you want to travel the world multiple times a year, you should be able to do that with the income that you're generating. If you want to build a house from, from the ground up, you should be able to do that with the income that you're generating. Because it's not about what you make, it's about what you do with the income that you earn. And that's what I help women do. And that's very true. I can say for me, the best thing that ever happened to me is when I was a Lance Corporal pregnant, my gunny was like, oh, y'all coming to this financial class. 
And mm-hmm. so we came to this financial class and we sat through it. It was a, I don't remember how many series it was, but I learned so much because again, my parents didn't know any financial mm-hmm. stuff. So it was like, that was passed to me. And I was like, I got to know something. And mm-hmm. so thank goodness for her at the time, taking us to that. And then, you know, during that time I was lat moving and I was looking for a job to let move into. So I was motor T. The worst thing I could have ever done was go open contract. So if you listening to this podcast and you thinking about joining the military, <laughs> do not go open contract. See, nobody told me that until after I had graduated and, and I already had the job. And I, they was like, don't go open contract. I was like, it's a little too late to be telling me that. But I was motor T. That's how I got it. But I let moved and I went into dispersing is what it's called. So that side of finances, that's where you handle everybody's pay, you know, according to their rank and stuff. And I tell you, once I learned how to break down an LES, oh, it it was it was over by that time. It was over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I learned so much and I was like, "Oh, I can do this. I can have a whole budget, know where all my funds are going, and it's mm-hmm. going to be great." You know? Yeah. So, I just want to have you speak on a little bit about budgeting too. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, you know. Sure. It all starts with a budget, no matter what you do, no matter where you are. I'm working on a free training and then a group coaching program to be released within the next 30 to 40 days. And while I'm doing it, I'm like, it dawned on me that corporations, multi-million and billion dollar corporations, millionaires and billionaires, everyone who's anyone has a budget. But for some reason, us on the, you know, on the bottom of the ladder, so to speak, air quotes, we don't think that a budget is important. We don't like the word budget. It's so many bad feelings. As soon as I say budget to some clients, they're like, you know, (laughs) immediately I get, you know, like I just shocked you, but I don't want people to be afraid of a budget. A budget is simply a plan for your money. And without a plan for what you're bringing in, it is impossible to get from point A to point B. It's impossible. I had to budget when I was making half my income was going to rent half and next half I had to pay bills and eat. And if you're working on minimum wage, working for minimum wage, which has not changed in the past, how many ever years, you can already tell that I was struggling just based on that. Cause I was working for $10 an hour, which is a minimum wage in New York. And my rent was half of that. I only worked 40 hours a week. That was all I was allowed. And at one point in time, I was working for a dispatcher, which was, uh, it was a subcontracted thing. So the main company subcontracted the company that I was working for. And I figured, I was like, okay, this company is only giving me 40 hours a week, right? There's nothing else. I'm working for $400 after taxes. It's like $320, $330, something like that, just right over $300. My rent is $125 a week. I'm not really, you know, I can't do anything with this. So I was like, okay, maybe I should go ask the main company for a job, you know, see if I can put in an application with the main company. Because on the main company side, you have benefits and you can work more than 40 hours a week, right? So I went back there and I was like, okay. You know, I just wanted to know if y'all had any openings, you know, if y'all want somebody else, you know, blah, blah, blah. When my boss on the subcontracted side found out about that, he cut my hours down to 30 a week. Wow. So now I went from making a little bit over 300 to bringing home about a little over $200 a week. And my rent was 125 a week as a grown woman. Right. And so it was things like that, that really taught me, I would sit down with that money with a piece of pen and paper. And I'm like, okay, 
well, okay, rent is gone because I have to pay rent. I'm not sleeping outside. This is New York. It's cold as F. We are about to be having no homeless problems right about now, right? And so I would take the next hundred and something dollars. I'm like, okay, I need to buy food. I need to pay my phone bill. I need to, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. I had no bed, no bedroom set, no mattress. I slept on an air mattress on the floor for six months during that time because I couldn't afford anything. But the budgeting skills that I learned during that period is what allowed me to properly budget my military pay when I started getting that income. And as that income grew, the same budgeting skills that I adopted in the struggle was the ones that I used. It didn't change. I used the same exact thing with each pay increase. And once I learned how to invest, I started investing when I was in Hawaii, which was around 2016. Once I learned how to invest, oh, it was it was a wrap. I ended up, I thought I had just saved like $20,000. Sister, let me tell you, when I sat down, when I started building this business and my coach asked me, she said, what was some of your financial accomplishments? I said, well, I probably saved about $20,000 when, you know, the last couple of years in the army. Because the first couple of years I was bringing like $1,200, $1,300 a month, right? So it wasn't a lot I could have saved at that point in time. But as I started climbing rank and building up my time in service, my pay started going up a little bit more. So I said, I probably saved about $20,000 in the past couple of years or whatever. But something told me, go check it, go pull your statements and go check it. And when I pulled my statements from my Roth IRA, my personal Roth IRA, and then my the TSP combined over the past three years was over $42,000 that I had contributed. And that blew my socks off. I, little old me, that didn't even have money to buy food just a couple of years prior, had saved over $42,000 over three years. And I never got paid a whole lot of money in the military. Y'all know that if you don't get BAH, <laughs> you <laughs> and I don't have kids or nothing. I have no dependents. So I had to rank up to E6 to even get BAH. I had to rank up to E6 to get BAH. So you already know that my highest W-2 in the military was $38,000, like $38,400 and change. And so for me to be making just that small amount of money and saved almost an entire year's worth of income in three years, not making more than $35,000 a year, that was huge. I almost fell off my chair, but I was able to do that because I made it a priority to budget every single cent that ever touched my bank account. And even when, let's say if I got an unexpected check, let's say I overpaid on my insurance or my taxes, tax return came, which was never really much as a single person with no dependents. Y'all already know we don't get nothing back. <laughs> but even if it was $1,000 or five seventy-five or whatever it was, I would sit with my paper and my pencil and budget out that 500 and something dollars. It was never, oh, I got money. Let me go spend. Yeah, let me treat myself. I did treat myself. I did, but I did it with purpose in a purposeful way. I planned out the money first. Mm -hmm. I budgeted it out. I gave each dollar a job. Each dollar is an employee. So what are you going to do for me now? And that's how I started looking at money. You're my employee. So what are you going to do for me? Because the harder we make our money work, the more we can relax, the less we have to do. The money is not going to get sick. We will. The money's not going to get tired. We will. But in order to get to that point where you can even start putting your money to work for you, you have to have control over what's coming in and you have to have control over what's going out. So the thing that you can get from point A to point B without a budget, I'm telling y'all, it will be more difficult to attain even the smallest things if you don't have control using a budget. It all starts and ends with the budget. 
That's right. And thank you for that. Because like you said, a lot of people look at budgeting as something negative or saying I can't afford in a Mm -hmm. different way. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, it's just like you said, a plan for your money. And I'm telling you, it will transform your life. Mm -hmm. And it's the pathway to being wealthy. It really is. I mean, (laughs) you can't get to the next level without budgeting and managing what you have. Mm -hmm. because then you'll be like these people who get all this money too fast and Mm -hmm. they didn't have a plan or a budget before and Mm -hmm. like in like a split second it's all gone and they're bankrupt bankrupt and back to broke we see it all the time and we all have opinions about it but guess what the same financial skills that you didn't learn they didn't learn it either Mm mm-hmm they didn't learn it. Nobody taught it to them, right? So within, I think statistics have proven and shown that within two years, people who win the lottery go broke again. Within two years, two years. Because the first thing we do, we go on a shopping spree. We want the big house, the big car, the big... And you already know, I don't have no problems. I have no problems with luxury, none. I encourage it. That's a part of the brand that I'm building now, right? To have all the beautiful things for yourself, to normalize wealth within the Black community. So that's not what I'm saying when I say that we like shiny things, but we like shiny things in a way where we don't plan for it. I have a lot of shiny things, but I plan for it. I saved for it. I invested for it. You know, so it's a, it's a way in which you do it. But when you just have money thrown at you, and a lot of us are in a position where we're just like, oh my God, I just need more money. I need more money. I need more money. You know, if I had more money, I'd be able to. If I had more money, I could. If I had more money, I just needed a raise. I need, you know, and the energy is focused around getting more money. That's why a lot of clients that come to me was like, I want to learn how to invest. And I'm like, well, okay, what does your budget look like? My what? So why do you want to learn how to invest? Oh, because I need more money. But if you cannot properly manage $1,000, how can you properly manage 100000 Budgeting right. skills, money skills, money management skills does not come with more money. It comes with starting where you are right now with the money that you're making right now. Because I learned how to budget 200 and something dollars a week. Well, scratch that. A hundred and something dollars a week because you already know 125 went straight to rent. So I was left with about a hundred dollars a week. Because I learned how to make that work, I've been able to make $38,000 a year with $34,000 a year work. I've been able to do that. That's how I was able to save and invest. That's how I was able to hit six figures in my account this year. I've never had a six-figure salary, but I have a six-figure investment account, right? And it's because of the fact that I took the time to learn how to manage my money and to make my money work for me. So I am really super excited about my future. My plan this year is to 5X my, my nest egg, 5X it. I'm, and I'm going for it. If I fall short, I fall short, but I am going for 5X. <laughs> That's right. I'm going for it, right? And we can all do this. We can all do it. We can all do it. No matter what job you have, no matter what background, no matter how much you've messed up, air quotes, messed up your money. I had money mistakes too. I traded a car every year for four years. So that's a new car every year for four years. I did that. But still, while I was doing that, I was still saving money. But it was a stupid thing to do because I wasted over $30,000 doing that, right? Imagine $30,000 in my investment account, what that would have looked like. Right. So, you know, it doesn't matter what type of mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter. The fact is that broken things can be fixed, but you have to start now. That's all right. Thank you so much, Janelle, for sharing You're welcome. that. 
with me and everybody who's listening. Something you said that I want to touch on um, Mm -hmm. was about writing things out and writing it down. It's just so you can see it, Mm -hmm. you know, not to get preachy on y'all, but there's a scripture that I love in Habakkuk 2 and 2, where it talks about writing a vision and making it plain. How are you going to run with something if you (laughs) don't remember it? And our brains are great, but sometimes we forget. Mm -hmm. So writing something out, writing a goal out and breaking it down. It needs steps. Just Mm -hmm. saying, I want to save, let's say a thousand dollars. Okay. That's a good start, but how are you going to get to that thousand dollars? You know, if you got a six month goal of a thousand dollars, then you can say, I need to save this amount of money every month. You know, or if you want to stretch it out for a year, you need to say, I'm going to save this amount. And oh, if I get an extra paycheck, you know, I can put this over here to go towards that goal. And then I can maybe splurge this one time if I want to. But like Mm -hmm. she said, having a plan. But today I want to leave y'all with three strategies from her entire talk that you guys can go and just implement today and just think on. The first one is your relationship status should not determine your financial value. And that's huge because she mentioned in here that when she was coming up the ranks and when she was saving and just doing all the things (laughs) that we do, people would question, well, who does she know? Who she married to? What is she doing? Your relationship status has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. financial goals. It's great that you're married. You know, I'm married. It's great that I'm married. But my husband has financial goals that's outside of me and I have Mm -hmm. financial goals that's outside of him. We come Mm -hmm. together jointly and it makes it better. But if we were not married to each other, we would still have (laughs) these financial goals Mm because I had financial goals before I ever even knew that he would be my husband. So just think about that. I'm not saying dump your husband now. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying It's okay to have goals outside of whatever your spouse's goals are. And when they come together, they should complement each other is what I'm saying. Number two, you can still have the life you deserve no matter or the life you desire, no matter what your past is. It doesn't matter. We all make mistakes. We all come from a past. Some pasts are very traumatic, some not so much, but it's still a past. So you can still have the life you desire no matter what your past is. It doesn't restrict you. If anything, it should drive you. And lastly, no matter how long it takes, be patient and keep pursuing. I forgot how long you said it took you to get your bachelor's or get your, I think, master's overall. But you said it took a while, but you did it. You Mm -hmm. did it. And you're still doing. You're still pursuing. And, you know, being patient ain't always pretty. I just want to say that. I know people think being patient means, oh, we're just here, we're quiet, we're looking all lovely and beautiful. But no, being patient, sometimes you're mad that you got to wait. And Mm -hmm. that's okay, be real. But just keep pursuing, keep pursuing. Mm -hmm. And so those are my three strategies for you guys. And I hope that you will implement it. Thank you guys for listening today. And I pray that everything we discussed and talked about will help you plan for your financial future. Y'all take care and tune in next time. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. If you're interested in finding out more about me, the number one military marriage, family, and relationship coach, you can go to www.teresaalexis.com or connect with me on social at Teresa Alexis Speaks on IG, Facebook, and TikTok, and T Alexis Speaks on Clubhouse and Twitter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. 
Be sure to subscribe and activate notifications so you don't miss out on any new episodes that go live. I'm excited going forward about how this podcast will impact your life and cultivate a better you and a better marriage and family dynamic. Now go forth and be awesome.